This morning, I'm going to summarize for you all the history and story of Away in a Manger simply by saying it's a song that has very murky origins and it has been misattributed for much of its life. Uh, if you ever heard the story that Martin Luther wrote it, he didn't. And if you want the rest of the story about that, you need to come to chapel worship at 1045 where there'll be a full sermon. But none of the murkiness uh, of its history has hampered that song's popularity. And I suspect one of the reasons why Away in a Manger is such a popular carol is because it's for children. And we tend to think of much of Christmas as being for children too. You know, stories of Santa and his reindeer, those are magic for children. And often we spend the most time and attention on the gifts that we give to children. We direct a whole lot of Christmas toward children, and Away in a Manger just fits right in with that. But though it's a song that we think about being for children, that doesn't make it any less powerful as a song of our faith. Because guess what? Christianity is for children. Discipleship is for children. Following Jesus is for children. It's not just for adults. And that's exactly what Jesus was saying in our passage from the Gospel of Matthew that Irene just read for us. This simple little scene that gets repeated in several of the gospel stories. Jesus is out teaching and healing and people start bringing children to him so that he can bless them. And the disciples get mad. I'm not totally sure why. Presumably because they thought that Jesus had better things to do than hang out with children. No doubt children were not centered in ancient Near East, uh, Eastern culture like they are for us today. I don't know if it was quite as bad there as the old trope, children should be seen and not heard, but it is likely that children stayed out of public life completely and they weren't given near the attention or the resources that we give children today. So the disciples, they shoo the children away. I guess so Jesus could focus on healing and teaching the adults instead. But Jesus, he had none of it. He said, let the children come to me. And you have to imagine him, don't you, when he says that with his arms open wide to embrace them. Not only did he want the children to have access to, to him, he went on to praise the children, saying, it's to these that the kingdom of God belongs. Jesus is saying children belong at the heart of what God is doing in the world. And he suggests that we can learn from them. There's something that children have that makes them fit for the kingdom of God. What is it? We have to figure that out for ourselves, I guess. Maybe it's a lack of pretense. Maybe it's a lack of presumption. Maybe it's just their continual sense of wonder. Those things are actually some of the reasons why I love the song Away in a Manger so much. It's such a simple love song to the Christmas story. It's a love song to Jesus. It, it focuses in on the manger, on that simplest part of the story. You know, it's not caught up in the drama of the politics surrounding Jesus' birth. We don't have King Herod. We don't even have a government census in this song. It's not retelling that giant spectacle of the angels appearing in the night sky to the stunned shepherds. It doesn't have anything to say about the wealthy kings or their expensive gifts. Instead, it's just pointing us to a stable, this warm and quiet place, fixing our eyes on the manger, this simple wooden trough meant to hold food, now cradling a tiny baby. And all the rest of the chaos, it, it just fades away for a moment when we think about this newborn laying in his simple bed, God come to be with us. 
Now, earlier this week, I, I had a friend post a meme on Facebook that spoke to me of the simplicity and the power of this song, Away in a Manger. It was a quote by a woman named Barbara Germier, and it was titled, How to Be a Manger. How to Be a Manger. And it said this, be empty, be sturdy, be soft inside, be still, and be ready. How to be a manger. Be empty. To me, that suggests don't be full of ourselves or so full of our stuff or so full of our busyness that we don't have room for anything else. Because Christmas reminds us that God has something to give us. God has something to give us today that we don't already have. Maybe it's peace over a certain situation. Maybe it's a renewed sense of joy. Maybe it's a little hope that you need. Maybe it's some comfort. Maybe it's, it's some part of wisdom. God has something to give us right now in this season, but we have to make space in order to receive it. And if we're so full that there's no room, God won't be able to give us any gift. So be empty. Be sturdy. I like this word as a way to describe people of God. We don't have to be flashy. We don't have to be impressive. We aren't called to be shiny. We don't, we don't need to act in such a way that the whole world just stands in awe of our great accomplishments. We're called to be sturdy, to be reliable, to be firm in our purpose and our plan. To remember that God has given us gifts we disciples of Jesus, God has created us and God has called us. And we don't need to be everything to everyone. We don't need to contort ourselves to be impressive to the world. God has made us for a purpose, just like a manger, and we just need to do that thing. Be sturdy. Be soft inside. I know there are moments in the world where we have to be hard on the outside. Right, we have to protect ourselves, but that shouldn't define us all the way through. There are things in this world that are worth crying about, moments in this world where it's important to feel our pain. It happens all the time that people come into my office to talk to me about something, and they often surprise themselves by starting to cry. Something, I don't know, it's not me. I can't imagine it's me. Something about the office. They always apologize, though, as if crying were somehow bad. And I simply push a box of Kleenex across the table to them and say, it's okay to cry here. There are plenty of things in the world that break our heart. That's why we know we need God with us. That's why we know it's a gift when we say God came to be with us at Christmas. Don't be hardened to the pain of the world. Be soft inside. Be still. You know, sometimes God comes to us in big and loud and flashy ways, but more often than not, God comes in gentle, easily, quiet, overlooked ways. To be in tune with God and what God's doing in the world, we have to listen and we have to watch, and we do both of those things, unfortunately, better when we sit still. Christmas especially can be a moment when we run from one thing to the next to the next, but God has gifts to give us that require us to stop and to reflect, and to listen, and to look, and to wait, and to be still. Be ready. Have a sense of anticipation. 
trust that God is working in you and on you, and that the process of God forming your heart is ongoing. God is forming your heart to be more like God's. I had a phone call with someone this week, someone that I work with in the larger United Methodist Church, someone that I have not liked very much in the past, someone that I have had a hard time appreciating. And we had a good talk. And at the end of the call, this person said, thanks, friend. And I hung up and I, I hung up the phone and I thought, come on, Jesus. I don't want to be friends with this person. I want to stay stuck in my own opinion about his shortcomings. But here God is offering me a different way to see this person, nudging me to be open to a new view of our relationship. God never stops working on us and working in us. So be ready. How to be a manger. Be empty, be sturdy, be soft inside, be still, be ready. May it be so. Amen.